There was a man in our village who suddenly sickened. Every hour his fever rose. His wife called an abulario, or healer, but a few moments before the arrival of the albulario, the man died. When the albulario saw the dead man, he told the widow that that was not her husband, and that her husband was in the hands of the aswang. They rushed to the place the albulario indicated, and they arrived just in time when the aswang were about to kill her husband and eat him. The aswang fled when they saw them coming. When they returned to the house of the man, they found a banana trunk in place of the corpse. Lovely, loyal listeners out there in the hinterlands. It's Rock and Max straight out of the ATX. And as is our want, we're going to be your guys as we don our protective talismans and dive headlong into Filipino lore here at Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. Rock speaks true, y'all. Get ready for some wicked folklore on this here episode. Mm-hmm. Tis the season. It is Halloween, Maxi. And it is pretty wicked. Not yep. Halloween proper, but Halloween season. As always, party people, we're here to give you a case of the creepies. Rock and I are going to discuss all things paranormal, legendary, and oh so monstrous. Mm -hmm. And never forget fun. You can never forget it, Maxie. Fun makes the scary not quite so scary, y'all. That said, do you want to know what's not funny? Could it be vampiric bloodsuckers, ghouls? and werebeasts out of Filipino myth that can change shape, fly, and whose preferred prey are pregnant women? Hmm, Max, Max, Max. You must have my notes again, player. Oh, what? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> these, are, these are mine. <laughs> I'll ask the questions today, Rock. All right, Max, you pulling a power move, baby. Then I'll go ahead and answer it. That creature sounds like no fun at all. Am I right, gang? Gang, but before we delve into the creepiness, we'd like to ask you to keep supporting the podcast by liking, subscribing, sharing, and reviewing. Also, gang, check out our Tee Public store for some fun merch, t-shirts, mugs, everything the works. Max speaks true, y'all. Help us get out there by granting us that boon of the golden five-star review. It literally helps the show become more visible so more folks can find and join our little community here at Nightmares and Daydreams. And y'all, I got the Tri-Blend Lechuza shirt. I'm wearing it right now, honestly. I love it. And I think y'all will too. And with that, we are off. Rock, we've been talking about doing a show on the Aswang for a while now. Yep. I'm actually really stoked that you finally stopped dragging your feet and got <laughs> it done. <laughs> dragging my feet? Hooves, feet, I mean, whatever. No judgment here. All right, man. I'm going to let that pass. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm going to let that pass, amigo. And yeah, we've been kind of savoring this one, y'all, keeping it in the back pocket, saving it for that rainy, spooky day. And since it is a scary season, we decided to go ahead and drop it. Agreed. All right, Rock. Let our listeners know some info on the Aswang. I'm on it, baby. Great opening story, by the way. I know, man. Like, dude, that's super unsettling. And I have to say, the Aswang using a banana trunk in placement of the kidnapped husband. Oh, I know. Super Faye-like. Yeah, man, I agree. And if you recall, Maxie, that method of kidnapping was used in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell when the gentleman with the thistle-down hair, the main villain gang, used the same method in kidnapping Jonathan Strange's wife. 100%. Used a bog oak, 
I think it was an oak. Anyway. I think it was. But yeah, replaced Jonathan Strange's wife. Mm-hmm. Not right. Nope. The Fae and the Aswang, apparently. Very tricksy. Also, our Naruto fans out there know that the Aswang pulled a substitution jutsu right there. For real. <laughs> Settle down with the anime. Tell us about the Aswang, Rock. Gang, as we like to say, the Aswang is a lot to unpack. For instance, there are five different, I guess, archetypes or creatures that fall under the Aswang banner. So five different types. Damn, that's a lot of Aswang. Like I said, man, a lot to unpack. So let's start and get into them. First is the Viscera Sucker, which sucks out a person's internal organs. Yikes. And uh, some legends, they have these long tongues capable of sucking the internal organs out of sick folks. And they, according to the lore, go after pregnant women as well. And you can use your imaginations and figure out what they do to them. That's not nice. Nope. Very intense. And it's only the first uh, monster, I guess we call it. Yeah, I think monster's good. The second is the vampire. And this creature, like the viscera sucker, usually takes the form of a very beautiful woman and attacks those that are foolish enough to be wandering the night alone. Use the buddy system, y'all. It works. <laughs> it's true. Stick to daytime. Yes, just if you're going to go stroll somewhere, <laughs> do it when the sun's out. All right, y'all. The third is the were dog. What's up with all the hybrid dog creatures coming out of the woodwork? You know, Max, they might have been here forever, and we're just now noticing them, maybe? Seems like it, probably. The fourth form is that of a witch. Like a European witch? Uh... What do you mean? Like wearing a pointy hat, riding a broom, having a black cat, casting curses, maybe? Exactly. <laughs> well, the uh, honestly, the casting curses thing is a big part of the witch in Filipino lore. So kind of. All right, y'all. So the final beast under the Aswang banner is the ghoul. And to all us D&D players out there, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yep. The ghoul is a grave-robbing corpse eater. Long claws, sharp teeth, rank stench. Kind of like Max in the morning, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> Where's a paladin when you need one? Right. Or a toothbrush. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, according to the lore, the ghouls have amazing hearing and can hear the moans of the dying and kind of hone in on the sounds and wait for the person to be buried before exhuming the body and eating it. And if legends are to be believed, they have other ways of getting to the bodies as well. Sounds like a ghoul to me. And y'all, I want to be clear. While there are these five quote-unquote forms the Aswang takes, it's also very fluid. There are many tales of like large hogs or pigs skulking under huts, flying half-torsoed creatures with their intestines hanging out, landing on roofs during the middle of the night. So I guess what I'm getting at is that there's not just one specific type of Aswang. Yeah, it's like there's some agreed upon kind of general hallmarks of the creatures. Totally. But it can take all kinds of shapes as well. Yep. And just real quick, and here are another couple of hallmarks of the Aswang. One, it fits in like a humanoid form, like a person. Its body is very oily and it's hard to hold on to, like if you're trying to fight it. Yeah. And another are the sounds whack whack or tick tick. Like if you hear those sounds at night, there could be Aswang about. Though there are night birds that make those sounds as well. Sure there are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. All right, well. Stay inside regardless. <laughs> <laughs> before, before we dive in further, how about we get into another story, shall we? Let's do it, amigo.
In the old days, the Bulacanos believed that the Aswang usually came when the dead was lying in state. That is why they watch the dead, and especially do not forget to keep vigil. According to them, the Aswang usually comes to the wake without their knowledge. They have never seen what it looks like, so some are not sure if it is a spirit or a corporeal creature. According to legend, the dead body is given a soge, or quicksilver, by the Aswang directly in the mouth, and a few minutes later, the corpse will stand, walk, and follow the one who gave it to him. This is how the Aswang is able to get to the corpse. What happened to our former neighbor is a good example of how far people will go to keep vigil and keep their loved ones from the Aswang. His wife died, and after all the visitors had gone home, he alone was left with her corpse. In order to make sure the Aswang couldn't get near his wife, he lay down beside the corpse, embraced it, and slept. Okay, man, now that's some dedication. And that story just illustrates how deeply embedded the belief of the Aswang is among the Filipino people, gang. I like it. Doing what needs to be done. Keep the monsters at bay. That's for real, y'all. One of the things I ran across, and we'll get into more of this in some stories later on, is how, according to the lore, the Aswang lives among the people. How so? Like, kind of neighbors and such? Is it kind of like how the Skinwalker lives among the Diné people? Correct. It's like there are so many stories of people suspected of being a swang living in the same village as other people. And these people are usually steered clear from. You know, man, this honestly sounds really damn familiar. These people suspected of being a swang, and I'm guessing here, probably live on the outskirts of society, maybe further apart from the other folks. Am I right? In some cases, yeah. You know, Maxie, I got to say this reminds me, and we talked about this in our Mountain Magic episode, about some folks living in the Ozarks, maybe further apart from other folks. These people may be physically challenged. Hell, they might look different from other folks, might keep to themselves, maybe have a lot of pets. Yeah. Maybe, you know, live in a faraway holler just somewhere else. A lot of times these kind of folks who are a bit different were given the label of witch or some such. You know, that could be the same with the Aswang. A hundred percent. Absolutely true. Humans, we have this tendency to ostracize the other as it's sometimes called. Sad but true. Now, listen, y'all, far be it from me to shun the knowledge of the locals. I mean, they live in the area. You feel me? But the thing is, in so many of these stories, these people that are suspected of being a swang might actually be a swang. Hmm. Like, if an aswang is killed, oftentimes the suspected person is never seen again. Well, where there's smoke, there's fire, like I am wont to say. We did a five minutes of folklore for our patrons on the Mananangal, which is this flying creature out of Filipino lore. Uh -huh, we sure did. That could separate from its torso and attack people. Would this fall under a type of aswang, or is it a totally different thing? It was in the Philippines, if I recall correctly. According to the lore, you are correct, Maxi. The Mananangal occupies the viscera sucker aspect of the aswang. And it's a type of flying aswang. And if the lore is to be believed, the Mananangao only feeds on its victim's heart and liver. Yikes. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, aren't the Mananangao's intestines hanging out of its upper half as it like, uh -huh. flies on these bat-like wings? Yep, according to some witnesses, yes. 
And if you happen to come upon the lower half of the creature, which is normally female, well, sprinkle ashes, vinegar, or in some cases, salt on the lower half. That'll stop the monster from reconnecting with the lower portion and in essence, kill it if you can find it. Dude, Filipino folklore, that's some gnarly monsters. It's hardcore. Agreed, agreed. And to illustrate that point, let's get into another story, gang. Let's do it. Many years ago, there was a couple, Ruben and Angelita. Some said that the family of Ruben were Aswang. The couple had been married only a month, when one night when the moon was perfectly full, Ruben asked the permission of his wife to go out to take a walk because he was feeling warm. Angelita did not know what time Ruben came back because she was asleep by then. Next morning, there was news that a man had been killed near the river. The man had a bite on his neck and the wound was similar to one a large dog would make. Every time Ruben went out at night, there was a murder. So Angelita suspected him. One night when Ruben went out again, his wife followed him. Angelita saw that Ruben went under their house near her aunt's room. Actually, her aunt was sick with tuberculosis. When Ruben was near the room of Angelita's aunt, she saw that black hair was growing all over Ruben's whole body. And then he changed into a large black dog. Upon seeing him, Angelita screamed very loud and the neighbors were all awakened and rushed to the house. They brought their bolo knives and pieces of wood and anything they could use to beat the dog with. The dog was eventually killed. They waited for the morning and the dog changed back to its original appearance as a man. The dog was none other than Reuben. So her husband was an Aswang. Of the were-dog variety, apparently. So this is one of those cases where the person suspected was actually an Aswang. Okay, so they suspected this Reuben guy's family of being Aswang. I'm just wondering how one can tell. It seems Aswang can be out during the day and operate in normal human society. Hell, even getting married, maybe even having a job. Mingling into everyday society. Totally government functionary. Being this secret monster definitely ratchets up the horror factor. You ain't lying, man. Just think, gang. If these things can operate in villages and kind of blend in, think of how they can exist in major cities. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, hell, we've all had weird neighbors, am I right? I mean... Unless you are the weird neighbor. Which, that's you. But hey, Austin's motto is keep Austin weird. <laughs> I've definitely had my share. Same here, man. But y'all, you living in the Philippines, that odd neighbor that keeps those weird hours, keeps to themselves, changes into a bat. You know, <laughs> that could be an Aswang. Carry your silver sword, y'all. I'm not sure a silver sword would work, Rock, but there are other <laughs> methods of protecting oneself from the Aswang. What did you find out, Maxie? Spices are a big way of detecting... Aswang. What, like flinging chili powder in a lechusa's face? Oh, so you've done that? Hey, man, quit tripping, Maxie. You guys know out there, y'all know I hear a whistle at night, I am off and up out. <laughs> but if our listeners were harking back to our original episode, chili powder is one of the supposed defenses against la lechusa. Nobody liked chili powder in their eyeballs. Lechuzas, Aswang, hell, grizzly bears, nobody <laughs> wants none of that business. All right, Max, expound on the defensive measures, please. Okay, there are plenty of ways to protect yourself, according to the lore anyway. Sharpened bamboo stakes is one. 
course, that works against a lot of things. That's what I'm saying. I don't think anybody wants none of that business with sharpened <laughs> bamboo sticks. <laughs> okay, fire is another one. <laughs> and as far as spices go, vinegar, salt, garlic, the list goes on. Sounds delicious. Also, ashes. The tail of a stingray is apparently really effective, according to the lore. Any port in a storm, y'all? Give me that stingray tail. <laughs> I just happen to have one in my backpack. I always keep one with me. <laughs> also, loud noises are said to keep the aswang away and could be one explanation for the loud funerary rites sometimes associated with Filipino funerals. Ah. They want to keep the aswang away. You monsters ain't invited. Knives, holy objects, a lot of protective talismans depend on region. Apparently wearing metal objects, holy talismans, amulets, beads, knives. Damn, so just... Kind of a show of force, yeah. Yeah, it seems so. It's like letting the Aswang know I'm not easy prey. Man, that's a case I'd be walking around in straight plate armor, like straight up. <laughs> Any others? Urine is apparently another way to keep them at bay, so... Max, that's just like the Kashtaka. Yep. Gang, the land otter men out of Clinket myth, they don't like pee being thrown on them as well. I mean, well, really, who does? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that's just, that's Maybe. like a universal defense right there, you know? Right. <laughs> Man or monster. It seems to be a thing. <laughs> like we said, if all else fails, do what you got to do. That's our motto, man. You ain't lying. Fling the pee, y'all. It's better than being captured by an aswang. <laughs> You're right. Mm -hmm. Ready for another story? Always, baby. There is a night walker. The people of Cebu call it Wakwak. When midnight comes, the Wakwak changes its form. Then it takes a walk. But since it has no legs, it has to fly. Its origin I do not know. It looks for a house where there is a sick person or a pregnant woman. The Wakwak goes under the house and brings out an oil which possesses a charm. She uses this to get to the victim's liver or fetus without cutting them open. If the sick one is a girl, a male Wakwak goes for her. But if the victim is a male, a female Wakwak goes for him. There was an old man going down a stream and he saw a young woman standing there. When he got near her, she tried to attack him, but the old man got an iron bar, which he thrust into the woman, and she fled. He thought he recognized her. When he got home, he saw something flying near his home. The following morning, he sent his son to his neighbor to ask for fire. When the boy came back with the fire, he said the neighbor, a young woman, was dead. Hence, they came to know that their neighbor was a wakwak. So that story illustrates several themes, y'all. The fact that the Aswang is often called a whack-whack or a tick-tick, and that it goes after sick folks and especially pregnant women. Ladies, have that stingray tail at hand mm -hmm. at all times. Yep. And the other thing, the going under the house and attacking whomever they're after type thing. Dude, like that method of attack is in so many stories, Maxie. And I guess it's due to the construction of the homes, yeah? Mm -hmm. I think they're called Nipa huts. And they're built on stilts due to the flooding. 
and built of locally available materials such as bamboo, coconut fronds, nipa leaves, and so on. That's what I call a green building, y'all. Yep, totally organic. You are correct, man. And it's just convenient for the Aswang to creep on down under the house to do their business. There are many tales of people hearing growling or snuffling and grunting sounds, kind of like pigs or large dogs under their homes. And that's all kind of nope right there, party people. What's with the oil? All right, so that's an interesting thing, man. Like, like there is, according to the lore, a way to manufacture this oil. And the steps are really complicated. But one of the benefits is that if you can get your hands on some and you hang it in your house, like in front of your door, the container with the oil will start overflowing if an aswang enters your house. That's pretty awesome, actually. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, immediately. You know, I read a couple of tales of people tangling with aswang. And in the struggle, they're able to take the oil away from the aswang during the fight. And the aswang usually keep that oil. It's in a little container, like in their armpit. But if you can get it from them, this weakens the aswang and gives a person a way of detecting an aswang should one ever enter their home. Speaking of protecting homes, another defense from what I read was that people turn the ladder or small stairs going into their house upside down. Oh, wow. And that apparently keeps the aswang away as well. They're flummoxed. It's like, how do we get in? <laughs> the stairs are gone. <laughs> what do we do? Foiled again. And I'm loving all these aswang stories, y'all. Shall we have another? There's nothing stopping us. The girl was a rare beauty, white skin, long dark hair, and a face resembling the most beautiful flowers. She was beloved by many for her kindness, serenity, and beauty, and so was much sought after. Not long after her 17th birthday, she was married to a local boy, a handsome strong youth, much admired in the village for his generosity and good nature. However, soon after the marriage, the boy began to fade away, almost to nothing, and then sadly, he died. The village was sad for the young wife, but soon she remarried. Another handsome young man married the beautiful girl, but he too wasted away and died. The whispers began, She is an aswang. But few believed it, for such was her beauty and good spirit, always helpful to others. She remarried yet again to another strong, handsome boy. Yet this boy listened to the whispers, and on their wedding night, as he lay next to his new bride, he stayed up. He listened to her steady breathing and almost fell asleep, but kept himself awake. Soon, well after midnight, but before cockcrow, he felt a heaviness, an evil presence hovering over him. Right after, he felt something sharp prick his throat. With a cry, he struck out with a knife he slept with at his bedside, stabbing the presence over him again and again. There was a monstrous shriek of pain, and the new groom heard scuttling across the floor towards their open window. Then he heard the flapping of large wings fade into the night. The next day, his beautiful bride was found dead outside near his house. The Aswang living among them had finally been killed. That's pretty trippy, y'all. <laughs> that monster just living among us. Agreed, man. It's like I was saying earlier. Sometimes you got to listen to the locals, y'all. Listen to the whispers. So this girl, this young, beautiful girl, she was an Aswang. It seems so. 
And according to the lore, there are several ways to becoming a swang, gang. In case you're in case you want to know, asking for a friend. Like I recall you saying something about that, man, like how a person can become an Aswang. I mean, it sounds very vampiric, you know, being bitten and maybe changed into one. Well, it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Oh, okay. Well, expound for us, please. According to Filipino folklorist Maximo de Ramos, there are four ways that one can become an Aswang. I mean, that's convenient. I reckon if you want to become a monster of legend, a hideous <laughs> monster too. Yeah, you know, I'm like not even yeah, a cool man. one. I mean, not always. Some of them are pretty. Yeah, right? I guess pretty during the day. <laughs> <laughs> the first way is by personal effort. <laughs> if you try hard, try, try again, right? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. But basically that means you take steps necessary to become one yourself. Okay. Without the intervening of like somebody that's already S1. Okay. And what are those steps? Okay. So you get a fertilized chicken egg, easy, mm-hmm. tie it around your belly with a cloth. Easy. And soon, and who knows how long soon is, it, mm-hmm. I don't know how long it takes, but the egg will be absorbed by your body. And then you'd have this kind of unborn chick in your body that would give you the powers of a swan. Yeah, that's weird, man. I mean, I feel like there has to be a lot of intent involved with that, you know, like the person really has to want it. I guess that's where the personal effort comes in. And I got to say, man, being bitten by a vampire, way cooler and less time consuming. (laughs) So that's super efficient. All right. Well, then let's move to the second method. The second method is by another Aswang transferring their power to you, which they usually did before they died. And according to the lore, old Aswang can't die until they pass their power on, preferably to a family member. And how do they do this? Well, remember the chick I was talking about? The, the egg, right? Yeah. Well, the dying Aswang passes the chick on by basically kissing the person he wants to transfer his power to, his or her power to. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the chick goes from the Aswang's mouth into the mouth of the person who wants to become an Aswang. Yeah, that, yo, gang out there in the hinterlands, y'all know that ain't right <laughs> on every level right there. <laughs> Let me just spit a chick into your mouth. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's try the third way. The third way to become an Aswang I ain't trying. <laughs> is by contamination. <laughs> and this happens by an Aswang contaminating your food by spitting in it or by placing a bit of human flesh in your food. Ew, gross. Either way, if you ate it, you eventually change into a swang. So, so far the second way is the best way, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, if that's your aspiration. You know, but that's why you need that bottle of oil that lets you know if an swang <laughs> is in your house. Okay, so what's the fourth way, Maxie? All right, the fourth way is by heredity. You're just born into it. Hmm. I guess that's the best way. Like, you come from a family of a swang. Like Ruben from our story earlier. Uh, man, like we said earlier, y'all, Filipino folklore does not mess around. I love it. All the different forms the Aswan can take is pretty frightening. Agreed, man. It's like, is that big dog really a dog or is it a swan? Or is that like a giant man-eating thing, dude? Totally. I mean, they change into many things, gang. Large dogs, large pigs, man-like creatures covered in oil. Yeah. Ghouls flying half-torsoed monsters with their guts hanging out. And there are other varieties as well. It kind of reminds me of yokai, actually. Kind of, but more deadly, though, you know? Yeah, for sure. Scary in a way that, I mean, not that yokai can't be scary, but that's some nightmare fuel right there. You ain't lying, man. You ain't lying. 
Well, what do you think? We done, Rock? I think we are. Gang, and with that, we are done. As Maxie and I always say, thanks so much for spending time with us during the spooky season. And please keep sending us those listener stories. We love them. You guys rock. Mm-hmm. Please keep them coming. And while you're at it, join us on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. All that. Please consider supporting the show by heading on over to patreon.com, where new content awaits. We have a link in the episode description. Your patronage helps us out so much. Max speaks true, gang. Your generosity helps us keep the lights on. And Max and I are looking to upgrade our equipment for the show and everything helps. Yep, yep. Also, if you're of the mind, please cruise on over to buymeacoffee.com and search Nightmares Podcast to support your boys. It means a ton, gang. And you know we love coffee. Also, please share the show, gang. That's 100% the best way to help us get out there. Yes, indeed. And don't forget, the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy, is responsible for all the production in our pod. She's amazing. Find and follow her at Vilebright on Facebook and Instagram. And head on over to her own website at TeresaJoyMusic.com for more amazing music, as well as heading on over to our own damn website at NightmaresPodcast.net to holler at your boys. Look for the wolves at the bottom of the page and, you know, holler at you boys. You can send us your listeners' tales there as well. So, ladies and gents, it was fun hanging out with you. And as always, be good to each other and... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.